In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. Yes, let me sing. About a year into the COVID-19 pandemic, there were signs of hope, yes, but there were also many things that were still put on pause. The then recent availability of vaccines was certainly one sign of hope, but there was still much that was delayed. And the joy of travel, international travel, exploring, adventure, was definitely on that list. Which is why, which is why, the initial airing of Stanley Tucci's Searching for Italy in February of 2021, a TV show on CNN, felt like such a gift. At a time when booking trips and catching flights, the thrill of overseas travel just simply was not possible, each Sunday in the evening, we could come home, put our feet up, and spend an hour with Stanley, surveying the sun-kissed Amalfi Coast, looking down from the roof of the Duomo de Milano, and many sights in between. Impeccably dressed, always, and wearing statement eyeglasses, I'm convinced few people can get away with, in the six episodes of the first season of that show, Stanley Tucci whisks us effortlessly from one region of Italy to the next, showing us without fail that the food and drink of a place is so much more than the dish or the beverage itself, that each item, each cuisine is a world of its own, and when you stop to reflect on a wheel of Parmesan or a glass of wine, what you find is that it has something to say about politics and class and war and economics and history and culture and how we consume it. What you find is that it has something to say about people and our stories and how very interesting they can be. And speaking of a glass of wine, there is one segment from this show, Searching for Italy, that I think really illustrates this point well. In an episode devoted entirely to the island of Sicily, the scene begins with Stanley driving down the road in a car, noting how many farms he sees and how many of them are old and abandoned. Visiting Vittoria, a small Baroque town, he greets Ariana Ocapetti, a 38-year-old maker of artisanal wines, and learns her story. What we discover over the course of their conversation is that Sicily has the highest unemployment rate in all of Italy. It's a place that's been looked over, rejected, snubbed, 
And as a consequence, many of the region's young people are forced to abandon it, their families, their roots, to search for opportunity somewhere else. In fact, Ariana herself mentions over the course of the exchange with Stanley that when she left Sicily to study winemaking in Milan, she wasn't sure at the time if she would come back. But little by little, something changed, something shifted for her, and she did ultimately return. She missed the land. She missed her home. Like the region as a whole, Ariana tells us that the grapes of Sicily were also overlooked, that they were considered too bold, too robust to produce a more delicate, elevated wine. But she proved that stereotype wrong with her winemaking showcasing that this place and its people are worthy of the world's attention and respect, if not its admiration. And in a part of Italy where only a quarter of women are in the workforce, Ariana shows that she too is worthy of attention and respect and admiration. Because to accomplish what she has accomplished, to defy those odds is truly remarkable. Yes, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. Yes, let me sing. In the scriptures appointed for today, we hear a lot about vineyards, and so, not surprisingly, it felt appropriate to begin with a story about a vineyard. But that story and the stories from the Bible we heard read moments ago are not just about vineyards. They're about rejection, othering, walking away from a relationship with God. And they are a promise that what gets rejected, what gets othered and walked away from, that God will redeem that God is not done with this world. Yet somewhere amidst the inevitability of rejecting that which we ought not to, and the promise of God's redeeming work, I have a question. I have a why. Why do we reject? Why do we other? Why do we walk away from our relationship with God? Why do we do that? Well, to begin to get at that why, I think our passage from the prophet Isaiah is a good place to start. At the outset of the reading, Isaiah paints a scene of a beautiful vineyard, and he goes into detail describing all the ways it was lovingly planted and set on its foundation. We hear that its location was specifically chosen because of just how fertile the land is. We hear that the vineyard owner took great care to prepare the soil, that he did the hard and time-consuming work of tilling it, digging it out, and clearing it of stones that could get in the way. We hear that it was planted with the choicest of vines. But a mere two verses in, a mere two verses from a Garden of Eden-esque paradise vineyard, Already, all the fruit is declared bad, and there is no equivocation to be found. 
Even God, perhaps looking down from the watchtower he built, seems confused. Though the reality that things are not as they should be cannot be missed. The Lord of all who lovingly planted a vineyard expected justice, but saw only bloodshed. Desired righteousness, but heard only a cry, heard only shouts of distress. And yet Amy Odin notes that naming this reality, that doing this truth-telling, is the fulcrum upon which transformation rests. We have to have tough conversations. We have to see the world as it actually is, because throwing a rug over that which is ugly does not make it go away. It only hides that which needs light, that which needs transformation and change. It may surprise us to hear, but there is a way of reading the selection from Isaiah that understands the power as us. In this frame, we are not the ones on the picket line. We are not the ones speaking truth to power, but rather God is the voice of every marginalized person crying in our ears and speaking truth in our direction. Because we have power, we have agency, we have the capacity to be transformed. But again, those whys. Why do we reject? Why do we other? Why do we walk away from our relationship with God? Why do we do that? And I'll add one more why to accompany the rest. Why does God redeem? Why does God stick with us? Why does God continue to plead with us to speak truth that seeks our transformation? Moving from Isaiah to our gospel reading from Matthew, we hear another story about a vineyard. And this time, Jesus is telling it through the lens of a parable. Listen closely, he tells them. There once was a man, a wealthy farmer, who planted a vineyard. He fenced it, dug a wine press, and put up a watchtower. Sound familiar? But when the wealthy farmer turned the vineyard over to his farmhands to steward the land on his behalf, things soon take a turn. When the time comes for the farmer, the owner of the vineyard, to harvest the grapes, he sends representatives on his behalf to collect the fruit yielded from the vines. But the farmhands turn on the farmer and his representatives by extension. Seeing the men sent from the farmer, the farmhands beat one and murder the other. They throw stones at the third, but he got away. Nevertheless, the farmer does not give up on his vineyard, and I would argue that he doesn't give up on the farmhands too. So he sends more representatives. He tries again, but again, the men he sends receive the same awful treatment. Now, we would think at this point that the farmer has got to be at the end of his rope, though he tries again. And this time, he doesn't just send a representative. He sends his son. Surely, he thought, surely they will respect my son. But when the farmhands see the son arrive, they rub their hands in greed at his arrival. They say, even better, 
This is the heir. If we kill him, we can have the vineyard all to ourselves. So here we are at the end of another pretty bleak vineyard story given to us by scripture, wondering what to do. Well, thankfully, Jesus keeps talking and he pivots a bit, moving from talk of vineyards to make a point by way of another image. He says, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you want to get right down to it, and you can read it for yourself in our own sacred text, because what I'm about to say is nothing new. Yes, you have heard it said that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and that this was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, what I say to you in response to this is a word about that stone and what it can mean for you, because there is a choice to be made. Sure, you can take the stone for granted, you can reject it, or you can see the stone for the game changer that it really is. You can make of the stone a foundation, a sure foundation upon which you can build a life. Yes, we live in a time where all manner of people and things are discarded and thrown away like trash. Even divine things, even heavenly things, kingdom things, even the Son of God gets cast away. But it doesn't have to be that way with you. You don't have to fight to perpetuate a false sense of scarcity. You can be in right relationship with the God who made heaven and earth, the God from whom all blessings flow, and know an abundance, a bounty without end that will sustain you all your days. Yes, why do we reject? Why do we other? Why do we walk away from our relationship with God? Why do we do that? And in light of that ever-present propensity for missing the mark, why does God redeem? Why does God stick with us? Why does God continue to plead with us to speak truth that seeks our transformation? Remembering the rolling hills of Vittoria, that small Baroque town in Sicily, I have to tell you there's something about that scene that feels familiar. I've never been to that corner of the world, but like Stanley Tucci, I've had the experience of driving through a place that had no shortage of old and abandoned farms. I've had the experience of visiting a place where the unemployment rate is high and the people feel looked over, rejected, and snubbed. And I've had to interrogate the voice, and still need to interrogate the voice, in my own head that met such a place and thought, geez, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come from here? To be honest, I think a lot of the reason we reject, we other, and walk away comes from our own experience with each of those things. I think we all have parts of ourselves that have been told that we are too bold, too robust, too wild, 
to mature into a more delicate, elevated, and refined wine, a spirit worthy of a wider circle of attention and respect, if not admiration. I think we all have parts of ourselves that have either been overlooked or denigrated in some way, and so cycles continue, unfortunate and destructive as that may be. And yet, even so, God does still redeem. God does stick with us. God continues to plead with us to speak truth that seeks our transformation. But why? The beginning of today's passage from Isaiah and the end of today's passage from Isaiah could not be more different. In fact, by the time we get to the end of that song declared for the one I love, God's beloved, we might have lost just who the beloved is. But taking both Isaiah and Matthew together, there can be no questioning that the vineyard was lovingly planted and set on its foundation. And there can be no questioning that God sent his son into the fray to redeem it. But why? Why? Well, actually, actually, I think the answer lies in a familiar place. I think God redeems, I think God redeems because, because. There is a wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. There's a kindness in God's justice, which is more than liberty. There is welcome for the sinner and more graces for the good. There is mercy with the Savior. There is healing in his blood. But we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own, and we magnify its strictness with a zeal God will not own. For the love of God is broader than the measures of the mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. Yes. Yes, the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.